Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Barbed Wire, the film based on the Dark Horse comic book series of the same name. It stars Pamela Anderson in the titular role, alongside Tamora Morrison, Victoria Rowell, Xander Barkley, Udo Kier and Steve Railsback. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, this one, uh, this was the mid-90s. Baywatch was huge on TV. And the breakout star being Pamela Anderson, who had just been gotten married to Tommy Lee from... uh, Motley Crue. Thank you. I've got you back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so in the credits of this, she is credited as a Pamela, Pamela Anderson Lee. Uh, but they thought they could launch her into like a massive superstar based solely off the interest of her. And she'd been in Playboy recently as well. Um, so what better thing to do than a superhero movie, which or a comic book movie, which in the 90s, they still hadn't cracked. You have a. Uh, Batman and Batman Returns, which are always like standouts. You've had the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, which were both great. And by this stage, we'd still had, I think we had the Val Kilmer Batman Forever. We had that, still doing yeah. good box office. That came out in 95. This came out in 96. And then Batman and Robin in 97. So barbed wire happened between those two Batman films. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's Dark Horse uh, at the time, maybe not, but certainly uh, slightly after this were the number three. Uh, no, they were really number four, I think, because uh, you biggest comic book companies, you've got Marvel and DC. Like this, you can't, it's hard to kind of separate those who is one and two. It, it kind of swings and roundabouts. Number three, Image, the biggest of the independents. And then usually Dark Horse sits right under the image. Uh, and they're the ones adapting their superhero stuff. I mean, Spawn had been done by image around this time as well, um, but didn't quite capture anybody. Yeah, I think, I think that was 97. Like before we hit record, we're having a bit of a chat, weren't we, about the Dark Horse films that had been made in the 90s and some that we didn't even realise were Dark Horse films, like Virus, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephen Baldwin. In 94, we had The Mask, Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme, which we have already decided we will review in a later episode. But there were others as well. But they did quite a few. Our Mystery Men reviewed that already. So Dynamite, um, not Dynamite, although Dynamite did Mars Attacks in, 90, I think, 97. But yeah, Dark Horse, yeah. yeah, they were doing quite a bit. But yeah, Bob Wire was meant to be this big movie for them. The campaign, which was similar to the comics, Don't Call Me Babe, that was everywhere. You know, you got the trailers, the posters, Pam Anderson, I mean, I thought it'd be a good idea to review this on the back of the TV series Pam and Tommy. Hulu yeah, in absolutely. the US, here in Australia, it's on Disney Plus. And 
this movie is happening during that series. Yeah. So that was what gave me the idea to review it. And I kind of had an idea already. You know, I was young in the 90s. I was watching Baywatch. And we see it in that show, Pam and Tommy. Like, she was massive. So it's yeah, she understandable. Was a, the biggest female on the planet, really. Huge. So it's understandable why they'd want to cast her as barbed wire and then hopefully have this be the start of something. I mean, this wasn't. It really, really wasn't. This film, it was panned by critics. It was nominated for multiple Golden Raspberry Awards. Pamela Anderson actually won Worst News Star. But they were not gentle at all with this movie. I mean, the budget of the film, $9 million. Box office, $3.8 million. Yeah, but $9 million. Like, I have to say, you do feel it with the production. I mean, it is it is a very 90s movie. It's more of, it, it feels like it was shot in the 80s, given some of the, uh, the way they dressed it. I mean, we've done a review of the Flash TV series from 1990. That has the same sort of production levels as this feature film. And that was a weekly television series. I'd even say The Flash looked better. I mean, they were able to piggyback off the success of the Tim Burton films. And although it wasn't Gotham, it was Central City, it kind of, I don't know, it, it looked more polished. It's its a TV star. Like I know she'd done a couple of films. But, but it, always in a supporting role. Yeah. I didn't yeah, see um, this in cinemas, and I know you watched it recently. I watched it recently for the first time ahead of yeah. doing this review. I'd, I'd never seen it, although I I did know that it opened with Barb Wire doing a wet striptease. I was I unaware. Well, I knew it opened with that, but I'd not seen it. So I didn't actually – I was generally – not expecting to see her breasts, which is what you see in yeah. the opening. And apparently the opening was Anderson's own idea. So it's got her in the rubber outfit. She's getting uh, she's getting sprayed. She's getting wet. But apparently it was a, a dream that she had or a nightmare that she had, and she wanted to put it on screen. Uh, the director, David Hogan, um, he was under pressure at the time to include more nudity. I mean, I guess if you're bankrolling this film, you just cast Pamela Anderson. That's what you want to you want to see. And if the actress is like suggesting um, nudist scenes, and yeah, so he looked to include it. The original opening was was scrapped. So that's the opening of the film. It, it screams nineties, doesn't it? This whole yeah, film I, screams 90s. And I've got to be honest, I mean, the opening of the film, it's set in 2017. And it's always weird when you watch a film for the first time today, which is 2022. And this is like the future, 2017. Yeah. The second American Civil War, which ironically, time-wise, they it almost happened. Like that Biden-Trump election in the a couple of years ago, got very tense like some people were even starting to wonder if it was going to go 
Civil War style. Uh, so the most realistic thing about that this movie is probably that little like second American Civil War in the uh, fictional city of Steel Harbor. Yeah, Steel Harbor. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I've got to be honest, I've not seen the whole of Casablanca. I've seen yeah. bits of it, like when he was on TV. So I completely missed, until doing prep for this, that the film is essentially a reimagining of that film. Ah, oh, because they're in the last safe harbour as a harsh dictatorship is taking over, not Europe, but America, which... I did make and, a and note it, yeah. that there are uh, the never a term for the the villains, which is the not the Congress. Uh, it's something to do with like uh, the American political system. They dress as Nazis, black uniforms, the dark bronzy kind of eagle uh outfitting the hats the cuts all of it is they're nazis like it's funny i'm watching this i'm like this is supposed to be the american civil war why they dress as nazis well there you go so so the the reimagining connections are there so as you said the second american civil war where it was in casablanca that was set during World War II. And then this film, there's some key roles being played by the opposite gender. But it's there. Missed it completely. Yeah. I guess I was too distracted by Barb Wire herself. I, I miss that. That's, that's what was going on. The director, no. David Hogan, yeah. not too familiar with him. Music videos. That's his background. And then he's, again, that opening... Right, gotcha. So yeah. this, uh, this was his first. Yeah. Uh, did he by chance do the film clip for Bon Jovi's Always? That is a good question. He has got such a long list of credits. I, I only don't bring it have. Up I don't have the information ready at hand. The actor who plays Charlie Barbwire's brother uh, is Jack Noseworthy, who I instantly am like. That's the guy from Always film clip by from Bon Jovi. <laughs> you know Immediately. what? He looked familiar. And yeah, I, I mean, there's a good chance that's what's happening here. I did I did notice that he directed a few Schneider Twain videos. But I don't uh, know yeah. about Bon Jovi, but potentially. But anyway, director and writer for this film, Batman Forever... He was a second unit director. So that was okay. a year earlier. So that's and second unit does a lot of uh pickup shoots and the stunt stunt stuff. Like with that's not with your primaries. So you can see the actual stunt doubles. You can see why it would be a good pick. Yeah. And then I think he did some sort of documentary, but other than that, back to music videos. Uh, and given this, the small budget, you're not going to be able to afford a name, uh, an established name, something like this. You, yeah, and you take the risk with, uh, and we've we've reviewed very positively movies that were directed by people whose first was this 
of their first feature film when previously they'd done nothing but music videos. So it does yeah. work occasionally. It, it can. I mean, he wasn't the original choice. I've not got the name of the original director, but he left the project due to creative differences. Which he's is, like, I don't want to shoot so many tits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe but that's like usually the go-to, isn't it? You know, we you know we parted ways, yeah. but we're still friends. Just creative differences. Yeah, yeah. I have a uh, speaking of the like pressure to include more nudity. I did make some notes here of like feels very much like Frank Miller with more tits <laughs> and less uh, less quality but also uh <laughs> the torture scene the, you you get introduced to the main bad guy colonel prizer uh played by steve rails back his intro scene he's torturing someone for information uh it's a, a attractive young woman who's naked except for what looks like a g-string diaper thing <laughs> Some yeah. <laughs> weird half bra thing over her boobs and kind of like a, a semi half face uh, thing that's it looks like they're trying to they're electrode, but the noises she's making and the the way it's a strap to her, I'm like, is this a sex thing? Because that's what I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting some weird sex thing out of this. Uh, it's I mean, it's weird. safe to say that's what they're going for. I mean, I've got to they're be honest. selling like, sex. I yes. mean, she, I think they'd had her, uh, I can't remember when it happened, but around here, the, as I said, she'd already been in Playboy. Uh, she's married to Tommy Lee. I wouldn't be shocked if this is also just after her sex tape had leaked. So, you know. I mean, going off. Pam and Tommy, yeah, she was promoting this film and the tape was out. Yeah. I think the tape so, maybe came out before this film, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so the amount of uh, sexual, I want not innuendo, just straight sexual content. I mean, and yeah. Subtext. It, you know, the, that's what they were casting her for. I mean, like, in, in the US. As, in the US, this was an R-rated movie. Here in Australia, I mean, whether it's like um, just modern censoring or rating, it's an M. But in yeah, the US, yeah. at the time of release, and I'm pretty sure in the UK, it was an 18. So this was, all intents purpose, a adult version of Palmer Anderson. She'd been on Baywatch for however many years, and this was going to be like a grown-up film with her in it. So yes, they were definitely looking at sex cells mentioned Tom Lee a couple of times they were married at the time of this movie being made he's got a song on the soundtrack planet boom track one <laughs> on the soundtrack so there we go so yeah so even if you look at the the poster for the movie or if you look at renting it online she's still credited as Pamela Anderson Lee because I guess that's what she was when it was made and then you do still have that Tommy Lee connection yeah i rented it off uh google play uh, it was also available on amazon to rent i believe but it was just easier and more convenient for me to get it off google play apple um, for me if we're plugging where it's available <laughs> i yeah. rented it from so, apple movies 
yeah, uh, available everywhere. Uh, or just well, not streaming. Find you, you need to no. rent it. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay your four bucks Australian. Um, so you get it for four. Paid five. Yeah, I got it for four on Google oh. Play. That's why I picked Google Play because Amazon was also five. Oh wow! I've never used Google Play. Yeah, because uh, it's already wired to my phone. I just Chromecast to my TV. Um, although Apple has the highest streaming quality when you're renting. You know, I'm worried, so, Jay, that we're losing focus here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bob, oh, um, Boba Fett is in this film, which yes, yes, oh, he is. Nice to see. So was I. Tomorrow Morrison uh, playing Axel, the former leader of the resistance, has some I mean, backstory. He's with playing Barbara a guy. Wire. He's playing a guy named Axel Hood. Sounds made up. I know all names in film and TV are made up, but that absolutely sounds made up. <laughs> Axel yeah. Hood. Yeah. Uh, they've got history when she went by Barbara Polanski. Well, that was, or, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that's her name. Name before she changed it to literally Barb Wire. I did, I thought Barb Wire came from like something pretty but dangerous, like, like Barb. Uh, and barbed wire, like you touch it, it hurts you. Um, that's where I thought it came from. I didn't think they actually named the character barbed wire. Well, she renames like, herself. Yeah, like, yeah, she, I know. But she legally, yeah, in terms of a comic book character, <laughs> it's just like you went, you went with barbed wire. All right, I guess that's the kind of movie we're uh, we're dealing and, with. You know, as like in the film, she says, "You know, don't call me babe," and that was part of the marketing and all of that. In comics. There was another character named Babe by John Byrne. And that's why she started saying, don't call me Babe, because apparently she was seen as being a similar character. But just to have that distinction, it just gave her a bit of bit of edge. Yeah. My first exposure to the character was this film. And I know a couple of years ago, they brought the character back in comics with covers illustrated by Adam Hughes, which... You know, Adam Hughes, you know, good quality. Phenomenal artist. But out of curiosity, today, I read some barbed wire comics. And these, again, it's not connected to this movie and it's not the original run. And I was just curious. And I don't know, the character's pretty much as interesting in the comics as she is on screen. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I... My... A housemate sat next to me and started watching alongside me about 20 minutes into the movie. I was going to say, even the opening. <laughs> uh, and she's like, what is her character? And I'm like, I'm still having trouble figuring it out because without you saying the Casablanca thing, I'm like, oh, she's Humphrey Bogart. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, not, I know what Humphrey Bogart's character is, but I, I, like yourself, I haven't ever watched Casablanca. I just know from pop cultural references that so she owns a bar and she's known around, does, you know, uh, neutral, doesn't deal exclusively with anyone or discard anyone. Uh, but I'm like, the only thing I can figure out, because she's taking like mercenary work, is she's a stripper slash. Uh, bounty hunter slash mercenary well, slash the stripping, maybe? <laughs> the stripping was undercover. She's essentially, she she runs her own bar in a safe part of town, which is usually safe on law enforcement. So you can come in, have a good time, 
but then that doesn't bring in enough money. So she's also a mercenary on the side. Yeah. It's, I mean, mean, it's a bit of a mess to be honest, but that's the character, but that opening and what she's honestly, whenever I'm doing prep for, for these reviews, and then I'll look at putting artwork together so we could put out as the podcast artwork for the episode and the images of Pam Anderson in in this movie, like she's often almost spilling out of her outfits. And she yeah. has got a costume in this. We're not talking tights and a cape. Instead, she's wearing like an all uh, black, but it's, you know, it's she's not covering vinyl. a lot. So her waist was laced down to 17 inches, which is 43 centimetres. So she's really tightly into the outfit, which, as you can imagine, would restrict a lot of her movements and performance because she's probably having to breathe in the whole time. She did do some of her own stunts, although the corset, the heels that she wore made fight scenes challenging. So, (laughs) I mean, it's very different now, isn't it? Like back then you had, TV actors, film actors. Now with streaming, you know, the lines are a lot more blurred. You can be a movie actor, you can do a TV show and all of that. And they also encourage and take the time to properly train their leads. Which wasn't work. Yeah. Wasn't happening here. You had Jackie Chan's and and the uh, Hong Kong uh, stars. And you had the occasional one or two. Tom Cruise was already doing his own songs by this stage, but he's he was an anomaly, still is to be honest. Yeah, yeah. no, he is. Yeah, so yeah. I, you don't need to do that, especially... Tom. We've got CGI. Get inside no, no, the no, plane. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Strap me inside. It's fine. Uh, so, especially on female actors, it was worse. They got even less training than uh, than their male counterparts. So I'm not surprised that the amount of which I picked, not because I couldn't that I, I could tell it wasn't Pamela Anderson just because I know the way the industry works at the time. I'm like, that's probably about where they brought in the stunt person. Probably yeah. a dude in a wig. That's how they did it for Buffy. <laughs> but I just wanted to give credit to her because it's a, it's a lot. Because again, going back to, there was a difference. TV actor, yeah. film actor. So here she, she was. Crying. Absolutely. She's really putting it out there. And she's a TV actor. She's doing this film. Hopefully, it's going to be, you know, a change in her career, more film opportunities. So as well as being known as a TV star, she's wearing this ridiculously tight outfit. And she's not only having to act and have a lot more dialogue than what she was being given on Baywatch. Yeah, yeah she's her doing character DJ was... She may have maybe two lines of dialogue per episode of Baywatch from memory. She's because she was a C character. Your A character was David Hasselhoff. It was his show. Your B character was generally the other female head lifeguard who was I don't remember the actress name at the time, but she was a bit older. She was uh, a similar age to David Hasselhoff. CJ was one of like the not the not number three on the course sheet. She was equivalent third tier because you had all of the other bodyguards, uh, lifeguards, and she fell into that group. 
So yeah, she'd be lucky to get two lines of dialogue. And then she goes into lead of her own feature film from that amount of acting experience. It's not a lot. I mean, before that, she was the original tool girl on Home Improvement. Home Improvement, that's right. Before she got her her boob job initially. And I was looking at other credits that she's had like on TV. I used to watch it, actually. There was um, a sitcom stacked that did two seasons where she owned a bookstore. Christopher Lloyd was in it. It was from the creator of Just Shoot Me. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was fun. But then yeah. you look at film credits. She did a, a film called Blonde and Blonder with Denise Richards, a crime comedy. She popped up as Invisible Woman in superhero movies, a spoof. Yeah, the, the film career didn't really take off. You know, interestingly, on the back of Pam and Tommy, um, it's been announced that she's got a tell-all documentary coming out on Netflix, which will be pretty interesting to watch when that comes out. But um, yeah, oh, I'd be, Bob I'd Wire. be interested let's, to see. Let's talk Bob Wire. Um, uh, who else have we got Curly, here? Played by Udo Kier. Yeah, um, which phenomenal, is, great actor. Isn't Ace he? Ventura, Blade. Uh, Blade, obviously. <laughs> but, but that's that's what I think of. Like, There's like an intensity that he normally has with his characters. And here he is wearing a wig. <laughs> like, there's this goofy uh, character. Uh, yeah. Well, he's the most serious. He seems to be the one who's taking it the most serious. Um, and if you've ever done any acting classes like I have, uh, and you work trying to do some media stuff, You'd be amazed at how much performances are affected by the person feeding your line, the other actor feeding your, you your lines, and then what you get back after you've used delivered lines of dialogue and everything else. It also takes a director to, no, 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 this is, this is the feeling of the scene and really push and have, try this and try that and really work it out. But you can see him delivering the same level of performance as you'd expect from him. But he's, yeah, he's the maitre d? Yeah, so he, he's so like, he's get, the help. He's the, he's the one who helps her run the bar. Yeah. And he's so very I aware get, of her mercenary yeah. uh, side jobs. I get what you're saying, but it doesn't matter how much he puts into his performance because like you just said there, he's playing an employee of barbed wire. Yeah, played by Pamela Anderson. So yeah. there's only there's only so much he can do. I think it's worth yeah. noting Clint Howard as Schmitz. Clint yeah. Howard, famously the brother of Ron Howard. Yeah. What's interesting is that I knew this ahead of time. I mentioned in Pam and Tommy, over at least a couple of the episodes, barbed wire is happening. And you see Pam and Tommy go to a screening. And as they're watching the movie, Clint Howard reprises his role. That's phenomenal. It is, it is. It's amazing. But it's essentially how he looks now. But he's recreating the scenes. With, 1996. Is it, is it Lily James? Lily James. Pamela Anderson. So it's them Who, two Normally it looks nothing together. like Pamela Anderson. But oh, in mate, that show. Give me a behind the scenes making of the transformation i need to see it every yeah. episode my wife got sick of me mentioning it. i'm like 
how are they doing this? Yeah. Like, how does she just look so much like Pamela Anderson? Anyway, yeah. but yes, but Clinton Howard, it is, I don't know, really surprising to me that they've gone to the effort of having an actor from this film reprising his role and recreating it in Pam and Tommy. But they that sounds like a Seth Rogen like choice. Like I, I I know him. I mean, don't see if I can contact him. <laughs> uh, Alexander Willis or Willie, as uh, he's referred to by Barb, played by Xander Berkeley. He's the head of the police department in Deal Harbor, a crooked cop, but has a fairly decent relationship with Barb. Um, I know this guy from so many things. Oh, yeah. Well, what though? Because I was just going to ask you, I'm hoping you could tell me because as I'm watching, I'm thinking, what do I know him from? Die, Die Hard or Die Hard 2, maybe. Really? Uh, possibly. Um, he's, he's definitely, I've seen him as a cop. I've seen him uh, in uh, serious films. He's definitely one of those guys who always made it in the background. Um, maybe Last Boy Scout. Maybe that's the first um, Bruce Willis movie I'm thinking I've seen him in. You've lost me. I've fallen down the rabbit hole. I'm coming up with Terminator 2, Air Force One, Shanghai Noon. There's some of the big ones that he's done. Oh, he popped up in an episode of Supergirl. There we go. Yeah. So he's he's done a few things, but he, he's definitely a face that I recognised. A lot of people yeah. in this film... I did not recognize, but I, I recognize him. 12 Monkeys, the oh. TV show. Oh, the TV the show. Willis movie. Oh, but you, I you didn't nearly had You nearly had your Bruce Willis connection. I'm just looking at the rest. Oh, but yeah, he's fine. Like, yeah, he, he does what he needs to do in that role. I was just looking, um, somebody else who I recognized as I was watching it, Tommy Tiny Lister as the bouncer. Yeah, like he pops up. Very briefly. It does, but, but for me, it's the movie The Meteor Man with Robert Townsend. <laughs> I recognize him from that. Another comic book movie from the 90s, although not actually based on the comic, more a superhero comedy. Yeah, uh, he, uh, I always think of him from Friday. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a better film, I guess. Yeah. Although, no, I like The Meteor Man. I really enjoyed that. We used to watch yeah. it heaps in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he played cops before. In fact, he was one of the cops in Terminator 2 in the station. Um, but he does it really well. He's still in the performance. Um, it's yeah, he's obviously corrupt. So he's working with the the bad guys to help capture the person thereafter who tomorrow morrison's axles defending but can see things are going wrong so he's kind of like a ally in the end um but yeah he's he's solid he's definitely solid uh, in this movie um we have speaking of the the person after Corey d played by victoria rowell um, who's the doctor who's come up with some awful bioweapon and is trying to sneak her way out of the country to Canada, like what is it with America and they're always trying to exile <laughs> to Canada. Uh, she's had 
surgery to look like a completely different person because that's possible in the, this future of 2017. <laughs> uh, and she's, which comes out of nowhere in the movie. You're like, oh yeah, she's being ushered out by the former head of the resistance because the world needs to know what these guys are up to. Oh, also we're married. Sorry, what? <laughs> that's some uh, that's some exposition dumb between all the other exposition dumps you must have missed because it wasn't delivered. It's done for uh, shock purposes, it feels like. Gattaca! That's where I know Alexander Willis's character, Xander Berkeley. <laughs> He's the doctor. I love that film so much. He's the doctor who always has to do the tests on uh, Jerome Morrow, played by... Uh, Steve Hawke, uh, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke. Was it Uma Thurman uh, in that film as well? Uma it's been Thurman, such a long yeah, time. So they met. He was the doctor who, like, he they always had to do a piss test like once a week, right? To make sure, and he's the one he keeps talking about. Oh, you're my son's hero. Like, do I ever tell you about my son? I will sometime. Great movie, but yeah, um, <laughs> already Victoria yeah. Rowell, she's got not a lot to do, she's no, delivering dialogue no. and being like told about the world as she goes through so you get a lot of exposition through her character but Not she's, on that though she's the like, MacGuffin she's yeah. the MacGuffin everything's after the runtime one hour 38 it is a short movie it and, is and it often happens when they make a shorter movie they can't show you they need to tell you so that's yeah. why you've got characters like that that's just reeling off all this information you know when yeah. I was looking up um Alexander Berkeley, and it put me onto the barbed wire page. And then I'm reminded, well, it's reminding because I'm seeing a picture of the scene where she's in the bubble bath with the guns and she stands up and the bubbles are conveniently covering. It's like, yeah, sex cells. That's definitely yeah. the yeah. aim with this. My housemate was just, wait, 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 wait. She's in a bubble bath. First of all, the shot from the side, that bubble tub bath is clear. So anyone walking up to see her has already seen everything anyway. Then she stands up. How are those bubbles there? They're clearly not bubbles because soap doesn't cling to you that way. It would have rolled down. <laughs> She's like, I'd have preferred it for it to slide down so I could at least see something. I'm like, this, I'm like, okay. That's yeah, yeah. She, although. One thing, this from a female's perspective, she's talking about how hot Pamela Anderson was the whole movie. I'm like, that's why they got her. That's oh, yeah, incredible. Like, she's stunning. Her. Yeah, she's stunning yeah. throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, not a great actress. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's hard. And, and as you've said, you know, from having little dialogue on Baywatch to now having all the dialogue with, you know, the title character, it's, 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 a, it's a big change. And, and again, she's done various TV projects. I mean, she did that animated series with Stan Lee, Stripperella. I've never seen it, yeah. but I know it exists. And, yeah, she's, she is more known for her photo shoots and Baywatch than than her acting, and this movie was supposed to change things for her. Unfortunately, it didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone else playing the part, but again, I've gone back and looked at the comics, and the character's not drawn with big breasts 
But I just assumed having Pamela Anderson in the part, that's what it was. And they wanted to purposely cast somebody that looked like the comic. And also in the the 90s, it was very much the way they generally, I mean, all all female comic characters were like that shape. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure if it was the the artist's drawing or the people that are watching on TV and movies, like like especially Pamela Anderson at the time and most of the cast of Baywatch uh, and everything else, or if it was the other way around. But yeah, like to, it shocks me to hear the character isn't drawn that way. I'm like, really? Yeah, no, she's just drawn. Never? Ah, well, for not from what, from what I've seen. But again, so this film came out in 96. They were planning a video game. Wow, in 96. That would yeah. be on the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo. So they obviously thought they've got a known comic, although I'd not heard of it, but a known comic, known enough. Pamela yeah. Anderson, one of the biggest TV stars on the planet, they're going to put her in a film that's due out in 96. It's going to be really successful. And then they're going to release a video game GT Interactive announced that they would be publishing a video game based on the film for PlayStation, Saturn, PC, and Macintosh. PlayStation at the time, holy! So that was that was January '97, mm-hmm. and the film came out in '96. I'm not sure mid or late '96, but they must have known like earlier than January '97. Anyway. So that was the maybe because Tomb Raider. Maybe, when was the first Tomb Raider game released? Maybe they thought she dual wielding guns, the the well, downbeat grittiness. Maybe the they gameplay. The gameplay was said to be similar to Resident Evil, with a single player campaign and a two player deathmatch mode. It was never released, which I'm sure you're aware of. So yeah. it didn't happen. But it, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Like when you know, looking at like kids animated series or, you know, films, just how confident studios were, like does the animated series have a toy line? The movie, are they planning video games? Are they talking possible sequels? But they obviously were confident enough if they started this process. Yeah, because they're like, oh, Pamela Anderson, this will sell. But unfortunately, you know, it it didn't. It took us two, fans of comic books, now, because of yeah. this podcast, to actually watch it. And we'd, we'd not seen it. The original comic book ended its run shortly after the film's disappointing reception. So the comic had come out successful enough. Palmer Anderson cast. They made the movie, planning a video game. Not only did the movie not work, the game was cancelled and comic book cancelled. The comic ended its run. I mean, it came back years later. And when I said I read some barbed wire comics earlier, that was after it came back. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh wow. The nineties, I, I I'm having lived through it, I'm still always amazed at the the, the craziness of the nineties and like how this I mean, we've talked about it multiple times in this podcast, watching an adult film property, Saturday morning, children's cartoon. Really? Of that one? The children. Are you sure about that? Is that the, is that 
Is that the way we want to go with this? Well, like Rambo, I'm, the animated I'm, series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm half I'm half surprised they didn't also try for an animated series of this. Well, but, uh, again, it's not quite barbed wire, stripperella. You can you can yeah. check that. All right, animation. You know, we've kind of we've well, we've touched on it already, but I made a list of the Dark Horse Entertainment films that have come out, starting with The Mask in 94. Time Cop with Van Damme was also 94, and then this came out in 96, Virus in 99, as well as Mystery Men. Then in 2004, Alien vs. Predator, Hellboy, the original Ron Perlman film. Yeah. Son of the Mask came out a year later in 2005 with Jamie Kennedy, not Jim Carrey. 2008, we got Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. 2013, R.I.P.D., the Ryan Reynolds movie. We've reviewed that already. And then 2019, Hellboy with David Harbour. And on TV, Resident Alien. We've already reviewed season one. Season two is currently airing. I've got to say, though, I mean, obviously, I did mention Son of the Mask. But for the most part, that's, that's a... That's a decent amount of content there. Yeah, of good content, shall I say. At least, at least as much as Image. Probably more. Got to be more. Got to be more. Because Image has... Most Image being so creator-owned, I guess maybe they haven't got... It's harder to deal with. Like, oh, we want to buy the rights for that. Sorry, you can't come to us, the comic company, where you've got to go to the guys who own it, the guys who wrote it. Um, But, yeah, it's like... That's probably uh, outside of Marvel and DC. That is absolutely the most of any company. If that we're has looking done adaptation, yeah, not so much quality, but looking at output, it's definitely up there and a lot more than what I realized until doing prep for this. Yeah, um, because they also, for a very long time, did twenty-five years. They were the guys who produced Star Wars comics. Yeah. Um, and they've only recently lost Aliens and Predator to Marvel. And you've got to think as well, on TV, Netflix, the Umbrella Academy, which yeah. is another big one for them. So they're actually doing pretty pretty well. I mean, they've had a film since 2019 with Hellboy. But on TV, at least, more Umbrella Academy, more seasons of Resident Alien. Yeah, and I'm sure... I. There've been a lot of other other properties that have been gone into development for TV and film. Um, I just don't think they've uh, eventuated yet. And I only say yet because these things can take you know, up to a decade to go from like initial consultation to final product. Um, just I mean, just been... ask some of the writers. <laughs> well, that's it. But there'd been some conversations about. The mask, like bringing that back, whether it's on TV or film, because that first movie is excellent. And I can honestly say there's a few films on that list, like The Mask, Mystery Man. Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy. There's some good films on there. And Umbrella Academy is fantastic. Yeah, I still need to catch up on that last season before season three is the next one, isn't it? Uh, I think comes out in end of May. Okay, I've got time to time to catch up. But um, yep. Barb Wire, if you're going to rate the movie out of five, 
brutal honesty one cannot recommend this um it's it's unfortunately a massive product of its time from the the production design the way it's shot the 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 acting um dialogue is so corny and so typically like 90s extreme but like the way i know you living human would actually speak <laughs> the exposition dumps the you know, now you've said it about the Casablanca and like it makes so much sense for her uh her n- narration her in the monologue that's uh, going on over the movie um there's you know, the stunt work and choreography more the choreography and the and had the way they've set them up was just not well plotted out like they you know that a modern movie they they pick their uh their action beats like we're gonna have this big sequence and this big sequence and this is how we're gonna work it out i mean again it was not in this era they weren't already doing that kind of thing but it's just nothing i can really put hang my hat on and be like i will put my name behind this no don't don't bother with it it is available as we've mentioned and and where to get it but (laughs) uh this i'm definitely not going to go run out and check comic books based on what i've watched how about yourself i mean i did do that but only out of curiosity <laughs> and we just wanted to do some extra prep for the podcast no laws no limits no turning back that's the other tagline they used for this film as well as don't call me babe i i'm the same as you i'm going to come in quite low on this one one out of five it definitely is a product of its time. I can see why they made it and who, and why they cast Palmer Anderson. Yeah, as I said, watching it with my housemate, we had a great time. But a lot of it was her commenting on how hot Pam Anderson was, and also like <laughs> laughing at how ridiculous the whole thing was. It's like, what it is, is this? It's very ridiculous, like, and yeah. I'm glad that I finally got around to watching it because, again, like reeling off that list of Dark Horse films. I've seen all of those, but I've not seen Barbed Wire. It's for some reason I've just never gotten around to it. So I'm glad that we got an opportunity. Well, and you got to watch it as well. Yeah. But it's once is enough. Like I don't need to go back and see this film again, but I'm definitely glad that I've seen it. And it's an experience. It's it's a thing it that is. happened. Like and... if people want to know how not to do comic book movies and how far we've come, it's really like you what put on this and then put on um really anything over the last four years i know but like, if you yeah but that's like that that's like because as like, nothing in the 90s you know outside of batman as we said at the start off the top had really figured it out like marvel didn't start producing stuff we got blade in 98 um and it wasn't until 2008 we got iron man i mean this was yeah I know, but again, years before they really, really cracked the yeah, formula. But if you look at this film that came out in '96, that it's in between Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of where those films were heading as well. When did we get that Nick Fury movie with David Hasselhoff? That was in the '90s, but it was round about was this a, time, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked to find out as exactly this time, maybe a year before, maybe 95. But I would, yeah, 95, 96, that sounds about right. 
98. They so big. That came out in really? 98. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's give it his full title. And I've got the poster for it here. And what they've done on the poster, they've added from one of the writers of Batman Begins. And that writer being David S. Goya. Yeah. So the I don't year. Think people understand, like, they've put David S. Goya <laughs> as like a. Lee, we've got this great writer. I'm like, yeah, if you actually look at his filmography, he's put out some real garbage. Or at least been he's, a part of you know, he's, some he's, real garbage. He's you can only be... put it on the page. Someone else has to, like, push the rest of it. He's up there because of the Nolan Batman films, and he's always going to be up there. But you're right, though. It's definitely worth noting that they're not saying David Escoya. They're just telling you that it's one of the writers of Batman Begins. But that is crazy to think. So in 96, we've got Palmer Anderson in Barbed Wire. In 98, we've got David Hasselhoff, a Baywatch co-star, as Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. The only thing yeah. I remember about that film is that the beginning is living in a cave. That's all I remember from that. But 98 gave us Hasselhoff as Nick Fury and Snipes and Blade. as Blade. <laughs> Which you know miles apart. With the X Men in two thousand, but you know credit where credit's due. Blade was first. Blade was first. Kickstarted what Marvel is today. Yes. <laughs> wow. Oh wow, that's a two-hour film. Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, two hours. Oof. There we go. Well, I know from working in the comic book store, like uh, one of my co-workers, Oz. Just love talk bringing it up because he found the whole thing so ridiculous that he's like munching on the cigar, like really over the top and cheesy. Like, Aah. I mean, and this is after we'd had Martin Sheen <laughs> expertly voice him on the Spider Man animated series. There we go. You, you know what? You, you're laughing now. I reckon we'll get there one day. We'll be yeah. sat here and we'll be reviewing Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Maybe we can do that in line with. Secret Invasion. Sam Jackson's Ooh, going to be in that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'm sure okay. it's available somewhere. Well, that's it for our episode all about barbed wire and a lot of other stuff. <laughs> if you would like to contact us about this episode or bring up a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon. 